Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Writing Cabin with Tara Benner. I'm author Tara Benner, and this is my cabin. We all need to escape into story from time to time, so come on in, sit down by the fire, pour yourself a nice hot cup of coffee, and let's talk books. Now, today we actually have a very special episode. Instead of our usual programming, I am sharing part of a novella that I am pulling from the Patreon vault. So this novella was originally exclusive to my patrons, uh, but for the show, I am reading these um, parts of it. And so if you missed last week's episode, please go back and listen to The Fay Hunt Part 1, because this week we are reading The Fay Hunt Part 2, Magpies and Mirages. Miss Amelia's house looked completely deserted by the time Fiona and Gabriel returned the next day. It wasn't that the house looked neglected. In fact, the opposite was true. If one hadn't been paying attention, one might have thought that the loud purple bungalow on the quiet lane had simply vanished. Rather, the house was no longer purple at all, but painted white with a staid green trim. The sunny patches of daisies and unruly stalks of thistle were gone, mowed down by a weed whacker to expose neat garden beds. Someone had removed the broken birdbath and taken down the ten or so feeders that had dangled from trees and shepherd's hooks. When they pulled up in front of the house, there was a lime-green Kia Soul parked in the driveway and a red-headed woman staking a for-sale sign in the front yard. She turned and waved as Gabriel drove up, and Gabriel eyed her suspiciously. Fiona unbuckled and made to get out, but Gabriel put a hand on her arm. Hold on. She's just a realtor, said Fiona with an eye roll. He turned to her with a dubious look, and Miss Amelia was just an old lady. Gabriel had a point, but Fiona didn't feel like agreeing with him. She hadn't known that Miss Amelia was a dangerous fae who planned to use her to get to Gabriel, but now she knew what a fae's ether felt like. She wouldn't be fooled again. Ignoring the waves of suspicion pouring off the hunter, Fiona got out and waved at the realtor. The woman was short and compact, dressed in a pair of white capri pants and a sleeveless blue top. Her pale shoulders were painted with ginger freckles, and a fresh pedicure peeked out from her white leather sandals. Well, hello there, she called as Fiona approached. Fiona shaded her eyes. Good morning. I'm Marjorie, Mia's realtor. Please don't mind me. I'm just here getting things ready. Feel free to have a look around. She gestured grandly at the old house. Fiona smiled and nodded. I didn't know Miss Amelia was moving. Moving to Florida, lots of folks her age do. I guess the winters up here just got to be too much for her. Plus, I think she had some kind of heart condition, so the altitude. She trailed off with a sad sigh. Florida, my Aunt Fanny, Fiona thought. Since Miss Amelia and the old male fay had failed to kill Gabriel in the woods, Miss Amelia had gone into hiding. Fiona looked up at the old house, puzzled by its abrupt change in appearance. It was a one-story bungalow built around the turn of the century with a creaky front porch and little round shingles inside the gables that made it look like a gingerbread house. The strange part was that the house hadn't been repainted any time recently. Fiona could see where the white paint was peeling under the edge of the cedar siding and where it had worn off the edges of the porch steps. The purple paint job must have been fey glamour. Magic. 
but Fiona couldn't detect even the faintest trace of ether now. "'You in the market?' asked Marjorie, appearing suddenly behind Fiona. Fiona glanced back at the viper, where Gabriel was sitting stiffly in the driver's seat. Fiona knew if the realtor so much as reached under her capri pants for a business card, he would be out with a loaded gun. "'We might be,' said Fiona wistfully. Marjorie gave a knowing nod, a sly little grin spreading across her face. "'You'll get him there, with eyes like yours.' She made a romantic swooning sound. Well, as you can see, the house needs a little TLC, but it's got great bones. You won't find a comparable property that's priced this low. And with the market being as hot as it is, someone is going to snap it up. Any idea why she priced it so low? Marjorie gave a shrug. I guess she doesn't need the money. That was probably an understatement, Fiona thought. Faye could live for hundreds of years and amass untold wealth. Miss Amelia's shabby wicker furniture and moth-eaten curtains had probably all been part of her glamour. "'Would you like a tour?' Marjorie prompted. "'I have an hour before my next showing. I'd be happy to let you two poke around.' "'That's okay,' said Fiona, glancing back at the car with a rueful smile. "'We're not officially looking yet, so I don't think I could talk him into it today.' "'I understand,' said Marjorie warmly, reaching into her purse. "'Why don't you take my card and call me if you change your mind?' There was a flicker of movement behind Gabriel's windshield, and Fiona purposefully avoided looking at him. She knew he was ready to burst out of the car and tackle the realtor like a member of some supernatural SWAT team, but Marjorie was quick with her business card, and Fiona saw him settle back down. Thanks, said Fiona, walking back to the Viper before Gabriel lost his mind. I'll see if I can talk him into it. I knew it, Gabriel growled in frustration as they drove back toward Mountain Shadow. I knew that sneaky old Faye would get spooked and crawl into a hole to plot her next move. It doesn't make sense, Fiona protested. She and the other one were powerful. I could feel it. Why would they go into hiding? The Faye are a sneaky bunch. They always like to have the element of surprise on their side. That explained Miss Amelia's taste for shabbiness and her hideous choice in clothing. Those trappings made her seem like a harmless old lady. They'd certainly worked on Fiona. Gabriel fell into a brooding silence, but Fiona could hear the squeak of leather as he kneaded the steering wheel in his clenched fists. Fiona didn't think she'd ever seen him so agitated. As a hunter, he was supposed to do the hunting. She knew it bothered him that the fae had caught him by surprise and almost killed him with an enchanted bush. The truly eerie part was that Miss Amelia was gone, and they didn't have even the faintest idea who the second fae was. Even the old man's appearance wasn't reliable, since the Fay could make themselves look any way they wanted to. As they passed Florissant on Highway 24, Gabriel made an abrupt right-hand turn and sped off down a pitted dirt road. They narrowly avoided clipping a red pickup at the intersection, and Fiona gripped the door handle for dear life. Gabriel sped up as the road widened. He took the turns fast enough that the viper glided over the washboards, but to Fiona it still felt as though he were driving his car harder than he usually did. "'Where are we going?' Fiona asked, peering out the window. They were approaching some kind of neighborhood, filled with a mismatched assortment of log cabins, boxy two-story houses, and the occasional trailer. "'There are only two ways to find a fae who doesn't want to be found,' he said. "'You can let the fae find you, which I'm not excited about.' or you can ask another fay. Fiona's already uneasy stomach tightened into a hard knot. They were going to see a fay? 
She hadn't been aware that there were this many fay in Teller County, or indeed that there were any fay at all. What fay would talk to you? she asked. I thought that they hated the Brotherhood. Technically, Gabriel wasn't a member of the Brotherhood anymore, but he was still a hunter. Hunters were born to kill dangerous supernaturals, so to the average witch or vampire, belonging to the Brotherhood was only a formality. They do, but Gunter owes me, and technically he's only half fey. Half fey didn't sound much better to Fiona, but her curiosity was getting the better of her. Why does he owe you? Remember Georgie Patton? Fiona nodded. How could she forget? The little boy had gone missing in Mountain Shadow and had turned up dead. He'd been killed by a Yukiona, a demon that appeared on snowy moonlit nights. The Brotherhood wanted to pin Georgie's disappearance on him before we learned of the Yukiona. I didn't think that Gunder had done it, but when it came to the Fae, the Brotherhood's motto has always been, neutralize the threat, ask questions later. To Fiona, that sounded like the Brotherhood's policy on all supernaturals. The powers that be had put a bounty on her head after she'd consumed Baylor's ether. Why was the Brotherhood so sure that Gunter was responsible? Gabriel's jaw tightened, and Fiona knew there was something about this Gunter that had made him a suspect, besides merely being half fae. She knew the fae weren't Disney characters who flitted around helping mortals find true love. They could be violent and vindictive creatures, and their power made them dangerous. Remember how I said we were dealing with the Brothers Grimm variety of fae? Fiona nodded. Well, nearly every culture has stories about malevolent supernaturals that dwell in bodies of water. Some of those are water spirits. Elves, ladies of the lake, Jenny Greenteeth, and Peg Powler are some of the more popular ones. But there are also the Rusalka and the Nyx. Rumor has it that Gunter comes from a bloodline of Nyx, water fae known for luring children to their deaths. She shuddered, picturing the hideous guild monster and creature from the Black Lagoon. She didn't like to think they had one of those nearby. There were bodies of water all over this part of Colorado. Gabriel caught sight of Fiona's expression, and his mouth twitched up at the corner. Like I said, Gunter is only half fay at most, and Georgie's disappearance didn't fit a Nix's M.O. Plus, there hasn't been a single recorded case of a fade drowning a child since the early 80s. That was an odd piece of information to have at one's fingertips, Fiona thought, but it was just the sort of thing a hunter would know. We're going to see this, uh, Gunter then? She asked nervously as Gabriel swerved to avoid a muddy jeep heading the opposite way down the road. If he'll talk to us, Nicks prefer to keep to themselves, and they don't like hunters any more than other fey do. The road through the neighborhood continued around a steep wooded hill that was thick with aspens and wildflowers. They passed several no-outlet signs, but Gabriel just kept driving. He turned off on a much narrower road that was nearly hidden in a thicket of pines. The tracks on either side of the road were much deeper. It was clearly meant for off-road SUVs. Fiona felt certain that they would get stuck, but Gabriel seemed to have no trouble navigating the deep divots with one tire up on the embankment. There weren't any houses down that way, at least none that Fiona could see but Gabriel seemed confident that he was going the right way, even as overgrown branches thwopped the sides of his car and threatened to leave a scratch. At one point, a pine bough whipped in through Fiona's open window, and she had to throw up her arms to avoid a face full of needles. She was just about to ask if Gabriel was lost, a sure way to aggravate the hunter. But then the trees opened up to a grassy clearing at the foot of a picturesque hill. The area looked like some kind of camp, 
but someone was clearly using it as a permanent settlement. Piles of split firewood were stacked in a neat line like a makeshift fence, and there was a dirty lawn chair by a metal fire ring. A battered white trailer was nestled in the center of the clearing, beside an old steel shipping container. The container had several rectangular holes cut out of it, and thin sheets of wire mesh secured over the openings. Someone was living in there. But the camp couldn't hold Fiona's attention for long. Her eye was drawn to a small, moss-covered pond nestled in a copse of aspens. The green surface of the water stood out brilliantly against the stark black-and-white bark. Thick green grass grew up along the banks, dotted with yellow daisies and bluebells. A white butterfly dipped lazily from flower to flower, and Fiona could hear birds chattering in the trees. Gabriel stopped the car, and Fiona got out, mesmerized by the idyllic scene. It was hot in the sunshine, even for July, and she longed for a cold drink and some shade. A warm breeze kicked up, lifting her hair and carrying the scent of bee balm. She breathed it in. It smelled like summer. Her chest ached with a comforting nostalgia. Fiona, said Gabriel in a warning voice. Somehow Fiona heard him, but his voice sounded strangely distant. She breathed in again and took a step toward the pond. She just had to get a bit closer. The trees around the water cast a fine, dappled shade, and the tall, soft grass was calling her name. It looked like the perfect place to escape the heat and relax, until a head emerged from the water, followed by a pale white chest. The thick blanket of algae stirred on the water's surface as the creature came crashing up. Fiona jumped, and the spell was broken. The playful breeze stopped as the air went still. A tall, middle-aged man was standing, or floating, in the middle of the pond, his bare chest dripping with water. His pale shoulders were decorated with loose green fronds that he'd brought up with the water. The man was clean-shaven with light gray hair he wore close to the scalp, but his lanky arms and toned chest made him seem much younger than he was. The man could have been handsome if it weren't for those eyes. They were an eerie, watery blue and set off all of Fiona's alarm bells. They looked almost like a corpse's. Those eyes snapped onto Gabriel at once and seemed to look right through him. The man's thin lips curled in revulsion, and Fiona caught sight of two sharp canine teeth. "'You should not be here, Hunter,' said the fay in a thick German accent. Gabriel didn't respond. Fiona felt his familiar hunter energy heighten, though, and it raised all the hairs along the back of her neck. "'Do not mistake my behavior the last time we spoke as an invitation to trespass,' said the fay. His voice was very low and had a rough, gravelly quality that seemed at odds with the glamour of his pond. Gabriel's mouth twisted in annoyance. The last time I came here, I was doing you a favor. Favor? A look of disgust flitted across the man's face. Clearly, he found the idea of a hunter doing him a favor repugnant. Is that what the Brotherhood calls any inquisitions that do not end in a phase brutal murder? If it had been any hunter other than me, you would have been dead, and you know it. Gunther didn't concede this point, but his stony expression didn't grow more sinister. What do you want? Just a moment of your time. Gunther's eyes flickered suspiciously from Gabriel to Fiona and back to Gabriel again. Standing waist-deep and shirtless in the middle of a pond, a mortal might have thought that Gunther was in a more vulnerable position. Fiona knew better. Every fay had a dominant element that they could bend to their will. 
If Gunter was half Nix, half Waterfay, they were treading in dangerous territory just standing this close to his pond. Gabriel seemed to be thinking along those same lines, because his hand gave an involuntary twitch as Gunter waded toward the shore. He didn't struggle over the muddy embankment. He hefted himself out of the water as though he'd been lifted out on wings. Gunter was completely naked and surprisingly pale for a fay that spent his Sundays splashing around in a pond. Fiona couldn't catch even the faintest trace of tan lines, so either he was always naked, or his complexion was some fixed aspect of his appearance. She averted her eyes out of politeness, and Gunter strode toward the trailer. There was something almost animalistic about his slow, deliberate motions. He certainly wasn't shy about his nakedness. He didn't even seem aware of it. He did, however, go into the trailer and come out buttoning a pair of cut-off gray shorts. He was still shirtless and bare-chested, and Fiona could feel the fey ether coming off him. It wasn't as strong as the old man's had been, but it certainly eclipsed Miss Amelia's. Watching his feral movements and sensing his ether, Fiona got the distinct impression that Gunter was more than half fey. "'What can I do for you?' Gunter asked, his deadly tone belying the politeness of the question. "'I'm looking for a fey,' said Gabriel. Two fey, actually.' One is a woman who goes by the name Miss Amelia, the other is an old man. Gunter's eyelids lowered in recognition. Miss Amelia I know very well. She lived in the area for many decades, but she is gone now. Any idea where? asked Gabriel. Her realtor said she moved to Florida. I guess that's code for fairyland? It is possible she returned to Elfame, Gunter conceded. I would not know. As for the second fay you seek, you will have to be more specific. Most of us in these parts have walked the land for centuries. We are all old men. Gabriel seemed annoyed at this, almost as if he thought Gunter was messing with him. Oh, you know, mid-seventies, gray hair, bit of a gut, likes to masquerade as a bird-watching old fart from Lake George. At those words, a look like fear flashed through Gunter's eyes. When he spoke again, his voice was low and reverent, almost as though he feared the old fay would hear him. The fay you seek has gone by many names over the last three hundred years, none of which is his true name. Among ourselves, we call him Balak, or simply the Magpie. The Magpie. Great. Gabriel rolled his eyes. Any idea what it says on his driver's license? Gunter shrugged. I believe the mortals call him Jim Ballard, but the Magpie is a more apt description. Like the bird for which he is named, the fay you seek is an intelligent opportunist. That sounds about right, Gabriel mumbled. He and Miss Amelia tried to kill me with a bush. Gunter's eyebrows lifted a fraction of an inch, clearly surprised to hear that Gabriel had survived the attack. Balak is highly regarded among our kind. Miss Amelia has served him for centuries. If Balak tried to kill you, it was not on a whim. He has been waiting for an opportunity to present itself. The fact that he failed, well, our kind can be prideful. He will not want to besmirch his reputation with such a shameful defeat. Where can I find him? You needn't go looking for the magpie, said Gunter. He will find you. There was something eerie about the way he said that. His words were laced with absolute certainty, and that made Fiona shiver. Right, said Gabriel, his mouth twisting in displeasure. Fiona knew he hated consorting with the likes of Gunter to glean information, even less so when it turned up nothing. 
Gabriel strode back toward the car, clearly thinking the Nyx had maxed out his usefulness. Fiona didn't know why, but her instincts prevented her from turning her back to Gunther. Instead, she shuffled sideways toward the Viper. Gabriel opened the door and prepared to climb back into the driver's seat, but Gunther's voice stopped him. A word of warning, Hunter. If the magpie has marked you for death, there is very little you can do about it. Thank you for listening to The Fay Hunt Part 2. This is actually part one of part two because I, <laughs> I wrote really long parts and I can't record those all in one sitting. But next week I will be back with part to be. <laughs> and uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening. Have a great week.